Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. All right, everybody. Thank you for bearing with us on that incredibly long uh, introduction that we got there. I, I certainly appreciate it. We're trying some fun new things here on the podcast. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. It is the 13th day, 13th day of October. Did we make it? We're almost halfway through the month of October. We're there. We're there. Yeah. We're, we're, we're almost there. Well, thank you for joining us. We are live on the podcast, and thank you, everyone, for joining us for the People Leaders Roundtable. I am thrilled to welcome three tremendous ladies from the world of talent and people. We're going to go around the horn and do a quick introduction. I'm going to go to my left, right? It's like the Brady Bunch here. We'll go to uh, Varicelli Vega. Nice to see you. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. And Caitlin and Simone, it's lovely to meet you all as well. Awesome. Good stuff. And if you could just give everybody a quick introduction, who you are and the lovely company that you work for. Sure. So my name is Vera Silvega and I am the chief people officer at Resident Home. We are a house of direct consumer brands in the home goods space, but you probably know us through the award-winning Nectar Mattress, which has been around since 2016. It's the coolest mattress out there and we are oh. crushing the competition. Well, we'll, certainly talk about that. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll put the discount code for everybody in the, in the comments. <laughs> everybody gets an address. And we'll, we'll go Brady Bunch style underneath to Caitlin. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with all you guys. Um, yep, my name's Caitlin Lilly. I'm the Managing Director of Talent here at Work & Co. Work & Co is a design and technology company, so we make digital tools and experiences like mobile apps, e-commerce platforms, chatbots, websites, a lot of things people use every day in their lives, and our goal is to make lives easier through digital. We have about 400 people across the U.S., South America, Europe, and work with clients like Ikea and Apple. So. As on a part of the talent team, I work across kind of recruiting, onboarding, team planning, really making sure that we're giving people opportunities to grow and hopefully stay happy at work and go. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And Simone joining us from somewhere else. Is that the ocean we see behind <laughs> you over there? It is indeed. I am currently in Cabo, but I'm regularly in L.A. Um, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's pretty exciting to be part of this. I, I also loved the intro, despite it being slightly long. It's cool. Um, well, there, there's a method there. We'll get to that later. Oh, absolutely. There's always a method to every bit of madness, right? Um, well, thanks all. Um, I actually am currently partnering with a company that's based out of LA. Specifically, it's a, it's a media company, right? So there's a portfolio of sort of companies within it. It's called Whip Media Group. Um, and specifically... We have a, an app, which you know you may have heard about. It's called TV Time. You can uh, download it, and it helps uh, consumers track what television shows they're watching. We have 
you know, quite a few million active users, which is really exciting. And then on top of it, we have a B2B SaaS platform, uh, which helps a lot of large entertainment companies track, um, you know, sort of the transactions. And I mean, there's a ton of stuff. We are essentially like a data and analytics platform for them. And then we also have the TVDB, which is a metadata database, um, which is, you know, sort of like a Wikipedia for metadata. So it's really cool. We have like a really fantastic holistic array of different products and services that help the media industry, which, you know, eventually helps you get to like tune in and watch TV. Um, we have about 150 people globally. Um, and I currently partner with them and um, head up recruiting for them. We've hired about 36 people since January. So it's been a really exciting um, and, you know, tumultuous couple of months. Well, that, thank you for that perfect segue. And everyone, I certainly appreciate the introduction. And as Simone said, it's been crazy. So I'm going to try to avoid the word unprecedented. I think that's a buzzword du jour that people are just like, I don't want to hear the word unprecedented anymore. Mm -hmm. But it really describes what's yeah. been happening. I mean, it's, it's different. It's caused all of us to do things differently, to change things, uh, and to use another word, buzzword is pivot, which we'll get in, into. But as I said to you guys in the email up front, I want to keep everything positive. So before we get to the positivity, let's actually get some of the bad stuff out of the way. Um, and I, I'd love to kind of address some of the negative. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of companies have had to lay off people and it's been really tough. And I wanted to just get an understanding of how each of you have had to deal with that within your own organizations and what challenges um, you have faced. We'll start down at the bottom. We'll switch it up with Caitlin. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I mean, it has been a really tough few months for, I think, an economy as a whole. We're really grateful we didn't have any layoffs. You know, I think we're really lucky as a company to be working in the digital space. So when so many companies were having to close their kind of brick and mortar locations um, and kind of figuring out what the new world looked like for them, we were able to help a lot of companies make that transition because we already have digital designers and strategists and developers and product leaders. And these are the kinds of roles that are really responsible for creating those types of digital products and tools that people needed to be able to transition. Um, and because we already had them, we already have you know leaders who are very much hands-on, we were able to make a pretty smooth transition for companies and really kind of help support them through that time. So again, we feel really, really fortunate to be in that place because I know not everybody was. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. And some companies are, I mean, those are part of the silver linings. I mean, some companies, depending on your industry, have been accelerated hiring. And it's been great because they've been able to acquire some folks that, that have been um, let go. Uh, Varisel, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, also put us into the really lucky category, similar to Caitlin as well. I have to say that we have been extremely fortunate. People are buying mattresses. And I think too, even when, you know, when you think of March and April, and, oh my God, it seems just so long ago too. Um, I have to say that I'm really proud of our company. I'm really proud of the leadership team. We kind of came together, um, locked arms, like, you know what, we're still gonna try to make this the best culture ever. We launched an engagement survey not too long, uh, probably in June, where, you know what, it kind of showed in everything that we did. People trusted us. Um, from the company perspective, our leaders came together. We were stronger than ever. And even in the home good space, like knock on wood, people are, people are buying mattresses, they're furnishing their homes. And we could not be more fortunate about that, which I'm, you know, we're incredibly lucky for. So. And yeah, and that's, I mean, it's a silver lining. I mean, we talk about a lot of these industries, uh, home improvement, uh, home renovations and decorating, and people are spending more time at home and they yeah. wanted to, I mean, my lead client right now is a, is a wine manufacturer and sales mm -hmm. are, are 4X year over year and for better yeah. or worse, you know, people are drinking more. 
And, um, you know, there's a lot of positive to it and obviously some bad stuff associated with it. But these are the things that we're seeing. Simone, what about yourself? Totally. So, I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's insane just to, to watch sort of the economy and the effects of this. And, and I think, you know, to, to kind of dwell on the negative for a quick second, like, you know, who knows what this will look like, you know, in the future, right? We, we're all, you know, sort of being positive and optimistic. I think, you know, you know, specifically with regard to wit media, we've really been, you know, fortunate, you know, along with Caitlin Barisal, like, I think, you know, we have been in a situation where people are watching more television. They're actually like, you know, honed in on television. Television, you know, similar to mattresses, similar to like, you know, workspaces and, and all of that. Like it's it's a really important aspect of your life, right? Because you're basically at home all day, you're working. You need to like cool off and get your mind off of something else and feel like you're pulling away from what you're doing day to day. So you're watching more TV and and therefore you're tracking more TV. Therefore, there are more transactions that we're tracking as companies. So, you know, we've not seen it hit us as as as, as harshly as it has hit other industries like hospitality, travel. Right. I mean, you know, I'm currently in Mexico and it's it's insane because if you really think about the, you know, the, the number of travelers and tourism, it's such a trickle down effect from an economic perspective. You see people that are selling to tourists and they have seen a huge drop off in their income. So this is certainly not going to be a situation that's solved in the next, you know, we're going to see the impact of this on the economy for years to come, but yeah, very lucky for us. We've been able to add on 36 plus people to the organization since January. We've been hiring through the pandemic. We've also been able to pick up talent from companies that unfortunately have had to make layoffs. Um, so we're in a fortunate state at the moment. It's really interesting, too, and something that I've observed, like being an in the trenches on the ground recruiter, is that there's an incredible amount of A-list talent that's on the market right now. And that's fantastic mm -hmm. if you're in growth mode. However, mm -hmm. if let's be let's be honest, let's have a transparent conversation here. If you're a B or a C player, B or C candidate, it is even tougher right now. I mean, this is reality of it, right? And not every candidate yeah. could be an A candidate and it's mm -hmm. pushing people further down. So it's one of those things, right? Where if you're a company, you know, it's good to take advantage of it. Let's get the best of the best right here. But unfortunately we're pushing people down there. Um, Caitlin, what are you seeing there as far as available talent on the market? And are you seeing, there's another trend that, that I saw where um, folks are maybe looking at roles maybe a little bit lower because they're, I don't want to use the word desperate, but they're out of work. And us as employers, yeah. right? say like they're, they're a director and they're looking at a senior manager role and, and, and I say to them, hey, listen, I obviously you're qualified. You're fantastic for the role, but honestly, my fear is that you're going to come in and then 10, 12 weeks later, you're going to be like, all right, I have another offer uh, that's higher for where I was. And it's making for some really tough conversations. I'd love to hear from all three of you what you're seeing on the ground. We could yeah. start with the case. I mean, for us, we are hearing, like you guys were saying, it's really changed the talent landscape, right? We're hearing from, I mean, yes, we're hearing from people who unfortunately have been laid off and they're looking for what's next. Um, we're also hearing from employed people too, though. You know, I think as everybody, I, I'll, I too will avoid the word unprecedented, right? But we'll put a little track, <laughs> a little ticker up there on the box. We're kind of in a very new space. You know, I think it has encouraged a lot of people to really think about where do they want to be spending their weeks? You know, what kind of work will make them happy and um, who do they want to be spending their time with? So I think from that perspective, we're hearing from some people who are again reimagining what they might want to be doing in the future. And I think also to that point, we've also heard from, for lack of a better term, some boomerangs, right? So some people who had previously left and are doing some of that thinking and they're saying, you know, that is where I want to be. I'd love to come back. I'd love to work with you guys. So I think, you know, even as people explore different roles, as 
people explore different levels, I think there's more of an emphasis on, are they doing something they're excited about, something that's gonna speak to their passions and are they doing it with people who they feel like they can learn from? Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, Varisa, what are you seeing on your front? Yeah, I mean, we're in the, you know, primarily with our customer, uh, customer service folks. I mean, we are constantly hiring. And again, we're extremely grateful for that. But there's a couple of things. One, we are extremely proud of the culture that we have and the culture that we built specifically in a remote culture. And so not only do we think we have the best products out there too, but it's also in an environment and in a remote environment that you want to see your, you you want to love the coworkers that you see every day. And we're really, really proud of it. And so it's adding, I like to say culture ad, a folks that also want to be in this kind of um, space where one, you have to be naturally curious. Uh, you can't sit still. We look for hustle, which actually should be one of our values there. Like you just want to get stuff done. Um, you want to be in a company where you see what it takes to go from a startup all the way to, you know, we want to be even bigger and bigger. And so we do look for that that factor that, you know, may not be prevalent in other companies or may, they may not be looking for that. But I think hustle is always there. And pandemic or not, we've always looked for for hustle. Now, it's really hard to, Adam, I, I want to say the word unprecedented. <laughs> 10, times. And it, <laughs> um, it's also uncharted. I hear that word a lot, too. But, yeah, they count the same. Same thing. Um, means the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll try not to half a point. say that. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the quality of um, what we've always looked for in candidates has always remained there. But, um, you know, it's 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 one of those things that you, we have seen an intake of, of folks that are looking, but we still go back to the qualities that we look for um, that will be successful at residence. You're not going not gonna to change your standards at all. Uh, yeah. Simone, besides sunny skies and sand, what are you seeing on your front? Totally. I mean, I think you know, it's really interesting. We, we've all said this, right? It's saturated for sure. The market's gotten saturated. I think it's also really interesting to watch um, a couple of the bigger companies. They've done a lot of interesting, interestingly timed layoffs. Um, and this is, you know, a large, large amount of the tech companies, a large amount of like, you know, our, our sort of um, blue chip companies. Um, and they've done, you know, layoffs based on a number of things. Obviously, I think COVID is, is you know, the, the or the pandemic rather is sort of the where they're laying the blame. But you've, you've seen quite a few as a result of just performance and, you know, you know, they've, they've made cuts over the years, you know, just in terms of, um, you know, where they are in terms of their their revenue. And, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that I'm seeing that, you know, isn't necessarily all 100 percent, you know, pandemic related. So I think we've got this like really saturated employee population, right, in terms of like, you know, candidate population rather. And then on top of it, you've got a lot of these companies making strategic cuts, right? And, and again, performance based on other things outside of the pandemic. And then on top of it, you know, we're working and partnering with a lot of hiring managers who, you know, as a result of the market are becoming picky. So I find the biggest thing that you'd, you'd find, you know, just in terms of, you know, what people are doing is, is a much longer hiring cycle, which I find really interesting, you know, and I think that that's, you know, again, like it's a trickle down effect, right? You've got like a lot of people in the market. You've got a lot of good people. And you've got a lot of people that have been affected by layoffs, not related necessarily to the pandemic. And then you've got this other wave of like, you know, hiring managers having a really tough decision, you know, process. Like, what do you do? Like, and, and this is, you know, some of the things that we've taken action on, you know, specifically at WIP is, hey, we need to be more assessment focused. We need to begin to, you know, continue to build on the structure of our hiring process already. I mean, we, we had a fairly good process that I put into place when I first joined the team. Um, but let's double down on that. Let's make things really, really, really standardized across the board. Let's try and cut bias out of it. 
Um, and again, bias when it comes to, you know, people who are unemployed, right? A lot of it, it, is, it is a bias. It is a bias. Yep. And we'll definitely talk about people, biases right, in a little bit. Right, totally. So I think that that's a big thing. We've seen that the hiring process taking, taking longer um, as a result of a lot of stuff that's going on in the market. And then I think on top of it, what we've proactively done is really tried to cut down on you know, as much indecision. We need like a lot of like data. We need a data-driven hiring process, basically. So that's that's what I've seen. And fantastic. And and you're bringing up the word data, and I know it's a a, a hot button and a passion point for for Caitlin over there. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you specifically in your in, in work and co have used any of the pandemic-related data to influence your process, your current process, whether it be speed to hire, whether it be um, you know time in between. Um, you know, points in the process, anything there? Yeah, you know, I think that the the types of conversations that we're having are very similar. The place where we're really seeing data change, and it's on a slightly different front, is around onboarding and what we're seeing there, right? So our speed to hire remains pretty consistent. You know, we're really good at um, moving people through the process and then figuring out, do we want to stay in touch with them for the future? Do we want to hire them now? And we're really good at maintaining those relationships for the long term. We're seeing that we need to put a lot more emphasis on um, the feedback that we're hearing and the data we're getting out of onboarding and making sure that we're setting people up for success there. I think that's the main place where we're Yes, we have data around more applicants, <laughs> seeing more people coming in, um, but that's where, like, where we've seen that we can tweak our process to make people successful in the long term. That's fantastic. Varisol, what are you I, saying? I, I, oh, I was go just going to jump in and ask a question about onboarding, actually. So yeah. are you saying, is it related? I mean, is this sort of different in terms of the onboarding data than, than you'd normally find? Like, is it a result of the fact that we're remotely onboarding people? Is that exactly. You know, the main, okay, got it, got it. I, yeah. was, I was like trying to understand like the reason and, for that. Okay, cool. And, exactly. and we're, we're yeah. going to we're gonna get to onboarding in a little bit too and what the difference is between having someone come in and give them that, that welcome experience and really immersing them in the brand there too. But I want to give Aricella an opportunity cool. here to speak about from the data perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and even, you know, quant, qual, it doesn't matter. Any type of feedback that you're getting from candidates and and your internal hiring teams and how you're reincorporating that into your process. Right. I mean, for us, it's always been about one, not even uh, customer feedback, but we like to say like, year. I've been at resident for a year and our first year okay. was about building processes, um, building a structure. And you think, you know, you go back to um, board presentations and like, how do we measure? And so for us, it's always like we measure this through surveys. We do tons of surveys through feedback because it is the only way for us of like how we quantify, are we doing good? Are we not doing good? What else can be, what else can be tweaked? And I know we're gonna talk about onboarding a little bit too, but one of the things that we're instituting there is like, how was your onboarding, ex how was your onboarding experience? Not even from a day one perspective, but a week one, even a month long, um, Were you set up for success? Do you feel set up for success? How connected are you with your hiring managers? How responsible is responsive is your team? Right, right. So we live and breathe by data. We love metrics. I'm really fortunate that I even on the people team, like we we love data so much, and we love analyzing it and tweaking it to see what we can do to make it better. But you know, for us, it's a quantifier of like how we're measuring our success. That's fantastic. Let's take it back to we'll call it March thirteenth because that was that was my D day. That was a day that oh, I had to. Yeah. That was my D day. That was a day that I had to cancel my trip to South by. That's when I knew that the shit hit the fan and we were done. I'm like, uh oh, we're we're in this for the long haul. Um, I want to understand how 
each one of you worked with your teams, your leadership teams, the executive teams to say, all right, this is a unprecedented situation. Uh, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to take everyone remote that was in the office? And some of your companies I know are a little bit more remote friendly, um, but it's still taking that entire process from how you engage with your immediate close teams to how does that translate to candidates that are in process to future to future hires. Um, we could start back at the bottom there with uh, Simone. Awesome. Um, so yeah, what a what a shit show that was, right? Yeah, um, it's like <laughs> to say the least. Insane. Um, shit shows our second expression that we've heard. Uh... <laughs> um, I think uh, you know. I think the number one thing was to just begin to be. And again, like I, I it was interesting timing for me personally because I, you know, run my own consulting business and I just started consulting with this company and I, you know, I really spent a lot of good, you know, chunk of two months basically with this company, with Media Group, and I met a lot of the leaders and I had started building relationships. I spent some time in New York City at our offices there. We're actually based globally. So we have an office in New York, uh, LA, as well as the UK. And the number one thing that I think we needed to figure out, and again, the leadership team there was fantastic. You know, they were really, they had a strong direction that they decided on pretty immediately. I think that's the key thing. You have to be decisive in a situation where there is so much um, you know, people just don't know what this is going to look like in the future. So the, 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 it was beautifully run initially. Like they were like, okay, we're not going to go into the office. We're not going to make people feel the need to go into the office. We're going to go hundred percent remote. And then the way that I think it, it translated on the recruiting end of the house is we started to have to build best practices, right. When it came to like online, you know, remote interviewing, when it came to like, what are the best, you know, case scenarios, what are the worst case scenarios? How do people work through that? So I think being really prescriptive as a people team. And of course, you know, on some level, I was a one woman band. I was like, you know, sourcing. I was also like doing a lot of the phone screens. I was, I was doing everything because that's how, you know, it is when you're in startup life. But uh, I think the key thing is, is we had a really strong team when it came to direction. And then also we began as a people team to be really prescriptive in our approach to, you know, what we were going to do and what that looked like for candidates. And, and of course, you know, in terms of data and you you guys mentioned this before, but like we were really also trying to listen to candidate experience and understand, was this working? Was it not working? Whenever I did get confidential feedback from a candidate, that was key to bring it to the senior pe people and just like think through how and we can change our system. It has to be real time. It has to be iterative and you have to be able to shift on the fly. Yeah. What, I mean, when, when it comes to the process, let's talk, let's talk about the process mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of bring us up to speed here. What percent of the company is, is remote versus onsite? Sure. So we actually started as a remote company and it's so over that piece was already there that culture piece. yeah so it was there and then we, it was only over the last year that we started building a headquarters in new york it's interesting because we just kind of finished putting our new york showroom together we had all the mattresses there and it was all exciting and then um march 13th hit so i i want to say that for us it was actually super easy to pivot 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 back to um uh going to a distributed workforce I want to say too, I, I credit our leadership team. I credit our CEOs. It is this trickle down effect. And for us, first and foremost, it was health. It was safety. Um, and so we had it all hands probably two weeks later, went off without a hitch. It was all good. It was like business was humming, you know, as, as usual. But if you, and I say this to some HR folks too, that I'm like, if you ask any HR person last year, like, you know, what are you going to focus on next year? What's on your roadmap? Nobody would have ever thought, you know, like going to remote fully or putting return to work or COVID or best practice in the room, like nothing. And so you had to, it was, I don't want to say it was a rude awakening, but like, nope, we have to do this 
right now because we are going to be completely behind if we don't pay attention to this. So there was a lot of forward thinking and a lot of forward thinking of we have no idea what the end of the year is going to be is going to look like. We still don't know, right? There's but, no time frame on it. There's no date on it. Exactly. But let's pivot. Let's let's you know let's do this as quickly as we can. And I have to credit we we all there's a lot of empathy there, and then there's also a lot of like it's it's also the health and safety. And for us, that was just first and foremost. It's interesting because it was two weeks ago I went to the office for the first time in a long time, and it almost looked like a time capsule. And like mum mummified, right? It was like King yeah, Tut's tomb. No, I think yeah. it dust over it. There's cobwebs and. People were frozen like Pompeii, like it was weird, right? It was weird, like you saw calendars. The clocks were stopped, the monitor yeah. was on, like March it was, calendars. It was, it, was very, it was very strange and sad and uh, like all these emotions at the same, but we have since decided we're going to use our space as it's collaboration. You know, I think I hear that word now, it's a collaboration space that we're gonna use over the next, um, year or two as we try to figure out what this new normal is going to look like. But uh, you have to be, going back to the question, like you have to be just like first and foremost ready just to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're going on the right track. Absolutely. And, 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 it's a, and it's a tough one. And the, the thread that's emerging that has emerged here from a lot, because I hear, I hear a lot from, from my side as a recruiter, from there's candidates and folks that never want to go back to the office. Right. There's people that are with, can't wait to go back to the office because for mm. whatever reasons, they're not in the great environment at home. Some people are not productive. I personally think that younger employees need to be in the office there too. And there's yeah. other people that want a hybrid, but ultimately it comes down to Employ employees and candidates wanting to be trusted that mm -hmm. they're going to get the work done wherever they are and have the ability if they want to return to the office and be collaborative they have that option that they're they're safe and secure. Caitlin, what are you doing um, at Work and Co to establish this, to sustain this, and to communicate this to your current employees and to candidates? Yeah, I mean, I think that the communication piece has been really key. I mean, as you guys were saying, being definitive around, okay, these are the immediate steps we're taking when we first went out. And then also communicating with people throughout around the updates and also listening to our employees. Like, what were their concerns? You know, when we first went out on March 13th or whatever our kind of final day was, there, I think people didn't really know what they needed going out. They didn't know what their questions were going to be. And so a couple of weeks later we found, okay, we're gonna have to open the office for different appointments so people can come get chairs. <laughs> they can come get monitors. Like things we I need my water really bottle. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody needs a water bottle. You have to hydrate. Uh, <laughs> so I think, you know, really listening to employees about needs on that. And then later other questions came up around um, okay, well, you know, if we're working remotely, what does that mean? What does that look like? And being really thoughtful about what questions people have and providing guidelines and then making sure those guidelines are easily accessible. I think one of the most striking things for me on the interview process was candidates, we'd been, we were talking to candidates and making hires for people who had never been into our office. Yeah, yeah. So, that's on my list here. That's really point number five here I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like how do you help them understand who we are when they haven't been to the office? How do you communicate that through the process? And so trying out different things there, hearing from candidates, making sure that they feel who we are, making sure they understand what the expectations will be and that they also have the communication to kind of navigate that ambiguity as best we all can. And thank you. And Simone, what are you, what are you seeing at what? 
in terms of in terms of you know the, the the process you know has it been iterative what have you seen it you know yeah. has it changed continuous learning adapting yeah, yeah absolutely i mean i think that you know as i said sort of the very beginning um when you initially asked the question like i think a hundred percent you know we've had to you know double down i think you know thankfully our leadership was super 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 prescriptive in terms of what we were doing as a company um you know and then in terms of just the onboarding that's been a big frustration point you know making sure that hiring managers understand the responsibilities that they have in that process. Also ensuring that, you know, new employees do feel really, really welcome through a process that is super weird. I mean, can you imagine a year ago joining a company and not knowing anything about what the office looked like and not, you know, and I think, you know, as we iterate, it'll continue to get better. I think, it, you know, specifically, I could see us doing tours of the office in the future for candidates, like ad hoc, socially distanced tours, like that That's could be really cool. Yeah, just giving people an understanding of what they're getting into. You know, I've sent photos through to candidates, which is really fun. You know, giving them a sense of what things were like. Speaking of time capsules. Back in the old days when we went to yeah. work. Yeah, precisely, precisely. But I think in terms of the other aspect, it's it's really being thoughtful and, and really urging hiring managers as well as employees to understand how challenging this period is. Um, I think people tend to be hyper-focused, especially at a digital company where remote isn't really necessarily affecting the workflow too much. Um, you know, really reminding people how to, you know, participate in this sort of situation, reminding them, you know, empathy. That's a really thing thing that we need to remember through this process. We need to thank people for their time and and understanding and, and patience and all of that. So I think that that's been a big area. I mean, generally, you know, we've, we've iterated a few times with process here and there. There's nothing specific that we were doing that doesn't work and vice versa. Um, you know, it's, it's continuing to just make sure that people are are enjoying the process and being really data driven and understanding what's working and what isn't. Um, but yeah, it's been a really challenging yet thought provoking time. I think a lot of hiring managers have been far more open to remote now. Um, yeah. you know, we have a number of really hard to fill and I'm sure you guys have felt this way as well, but like we have a number of really hard to fill tech roles specifically where, Hey, six months ago, hiring managers would have been hands down, not ever. We're not having somebody remote. We don't understand it. And now everyone's super open to it. So there is, there's a certain a silver, silver lining, lining right. as you've said. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I've seen that with my clients too, where they were, they were, they were set for their brick and mortar locations. And now, and now it's done something else as well too. And let's call it what it is. I mean, there's a cost of living difference between some of the major markets totally. and there's an incredible mm -hmm. amount of talent in the middle of the country that's untapped. And I think it's brought a lot of new opportunities to companies and, yeah. and it's adding to culture because it's, it's, it's diversifying that not everyone's from New York, Chicago, Miami, LA, right. you know, San Fran there. It, it's, it's definitely, you know, diversifying from that perspective. And we'll talk about DNI uh, a little bit later on, but Veritel, I want to talk a little bit. I want to dig into this process point um, when it comes to interviewing, because as we all know, body language, gut feeling, that chemistry is so important. And your company is interesting because it's been, you know, relatively remote before there. So what are some of those practices and tactics to say, all right, well, I met Adam. I spoke to him on a Zoom call. He's, he's funny. He's kind of good looking. I kind of got a good feel from him. <laughs> Just kidding. But like, how do you get that feeling from somebody that say, this is somebody I want on my team. This is somebody that gives me a good vibe. They have a good energy. And I know they're going to, I don't like to use the word fit, but they're going to be a mesh. They're going to mesh into our quilt of our fabric of an organization. Right. Well, our recruiter, she ran into this a couple of times, too, and, and no offense to some candidates. But when we are a we are a while we are a mattress company, we're also extremely tech forward. And so everything is via Zoom or Google mm -hmm. Hangouts. And I think originally we thought everybody knows how to use Google Hangouts or, um, you know, is, is tech savvy with that. And so we put into place little things like 
make sure your camera's on. You know? Make sure your pants are on. <laughs> make sure your pants are on. <laughs> um, just these little kind of housekeeping things that you never would have thought of before. But for us, we're still looking for like we're still looking for energy. We're still looking for that. You know, like, would you would you buy batches from from this person specifically on on the customer success side? But um, one, you have to be like you just have to be tech savvy with this, and so like that is that's always kind of been there. Um, and so we look for that. And if it's not represented in the interviews, it's not coming across, or you have someone who just doesn't want to show their face on camera, and you have to nowadays, specifically as a recruiter. I mean, that is like, if you can't go into the office or even get a tour of what the, the culture is like, this has to be brought through. And, um, you know, specifically from the recruiting team, from the hiring manager, as much of these little glimpses into who we are as a culture as possible through people, because you're not going to have that. Depth. You can, we can go like this and like, hey, look at, you know, this is what we did last year. And here's what some of these pictures that we did. But it needs to come through in personality. Um, and so we look at a lot. And, and Caitlin, what about you? How much how much of the workforce was was remote versus on site pre-COVID? Um, so we were actually pretty much all on site pre-COVID. Uh, we do have offices around the world, so we weren't necessarily all working in the same office together. But, you know, that in-person collaboration was really important. Uh, so it's been interesting because in the interview space, it's kind of gotten rid of some of the previous limitations that candidates mm -hmm. might have had where you know, everybody's on Zoom. So it's just as easy for me to talk to somebody on Zoom if they're in Brooklyn as if they're in Montana, you know? And I think that that's been really nice because to your earlier point, it's opened up more networks. You know, it's easy to hop on a call with somebody for 15 minutes who seems like they could be a good fit. Uh, it also does add that added channel or challenge rather to some candidates where you have to come in as your full self. Like, how do you show your passions, your interests, how do you help me understand who you are so I can understand how you bring all that added value to work and co. And so it's nice because it kind of adds a little bit of an advantage, but also, you know, puts a little pressure on people to really deliver and not come off as kind of flat within the zoom space. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Caitlin. And, and are there questions that whether they be standard or just basically in, in training that your recruiters, um, to get those those personal things. It's not go oh, tell me what you love to do outside of work, but things to really understand what people's passions are and what drives them. Yeah, I think a lot of it can be it can come out of understanding how that person likes to be hands-on. You know, within our model even the most senior people, even the partners are uh, submitting design, submitting code, you know, they're opening up Sketch or Figma. So we are looking for people who are interested in doing that, who have a passion for their craft in that sense. And so understanding what they have been doing, what their goals are in their next role and really digging deep on that helps us kind of unlock that. I mean, also we're looking for people who have um, pretty diverse uh, professional backgrounds, right? So we have product managers who used to be designers or designers who used to be developers. And that really helps us flex in different ways. It helps us meet project needs in different ways. So the more somebody can highlight that and the more we can dig into that to understand how that contributes to them as a whole, uh, the better sense we can get from people. And, you know, I think that it helps when people can talk about how their passions contribute to what they're doing. Like, I want to know the full person. It's really important for us that we're supporting people just as much outside the office as we are in the office. Uh, so all of that comes together is really important. 
That's fantastic. And, and, and Simone, similar, I mean, you've had the opportunity to work in a number of organizations. I mean, when you're talking um, to candidates at all different levels, are there some, I don't want to say trick questions, but are there some techniques you use to really bring out somebody's, you know, passion and personality during a conversation? Because sometimes people are all business and that's fine too sometimes. But you do want to see that that level of passion and enthusiasm, especially either about like why do you want to work here and, and, and those type of things. So what are what are some of the uh, recruiting tricks that you have up your sleeve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's key. Um, I think regardless of, you know, whether it's a pandemic or not, you know, there is a level of, you know, just straight shooting, um, you know, that, that I think you, you need to have. You need to have that banter with a candidate and, and, you know, begin to build a relationship and a rapport where, you know, they feel comfortable opening up. Um, and I think that's the key thing, you know, as that first point of contact on the recruiting end of things, whether it's a recruiting coordinator, whether it's a sourcer, whether it's you, whether it's your recruiter, it's really key for there to be an open line of communication. So I think, you know, asking for feedback at that point is a really nice way of doing that. Um, you know, obviously, we were, you know, you're building a relationship, you're trying to understand what they've done with their life, you're asking them a lot of deeply personal questions. Oh, why'd you leave that job? What'd you do in this job? You know, the motivators. Was- Exactly. Motivators, like all of that stuff. And I think the key thing is to really continue to ask for feedback through the process. And again, like this isn't necessarily, you know, quanti in the sense that we're asking them for some kind of survey. Like it's just a personal thing. Hey, so like, have you enjoyed this process so far? Like what if, you know, I I do this at every touch point that I have with a candidate. How have things been going? How is your, you know, chat with that person? You know, what did you learn? You know, what, what are some of the issues or concerns that you're having? I think the more open lines of communication that you have with candidates as they move through the process, the more open, you know, honesty that you'll have about their motivations for leaving jobs, their motivations for being interested in your job, and, and then eventually fit. Like, you know, I think being coming to an organization and adding to that organization and, you know, having that, it, it's so important. I mean, I think it's also reflective, frankly, of, of our, you know, current culture. Like, we're super open with each other. Um, through this whole process, I think companies have become even more open with each other, right? And like Vulnerability. Yeah, totally, totally. We it's, are it's, all it's in a very vulnerable brands. state. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Completely. exactly. So, so I think Marisella, that's a key indicator. Now that's 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 really insightful, and you know, it brings up a couple of things that I brought in there. But I want I want to throw a curveball into the conversation here. A question that I love to ask, and I'm going to go to my top right corner. I don't know if that's what right. people see at home here. Uh, Varisal, if you have a brand new recruiter on your team, somebody who's literally fresh out of wherever, fresh out of the out of out of school. What is the number one piece of advice that you would give him or her to be successful in our industry? In You're our, all going to get the same question, so think about it. In, in the tech, in the, in the. In recruiting. In, recruiting. in talent, in talent access, in the people oh, that's industry. Great, that's a great, that is a great, that's a great question. One, it's just, it's the experience. Like you, and I know all of you have, have had this too. You just want to have this open level of conversation with the recruiter that they're really trying to help. Like they're really justified in trying to help you, not that they're doing a two second um, look at your resume. All right, bye-bye, but making that, having those connections. And I've met thousands of recruiters through my experience and like the ones that um, you feel that connection to and and be it because, I don't know, school or we like baseball or swimming or something like that, but there's a connection there. Um, and and you can see it and it, and it comes and it, and it sometimes comes out naturally, sometimes like, oh, there's absolutely not a connection here. But if you don't have that synergy, um, it's gonna be hard to translate that into why we're trying to sell them into our company or kind of vice versa. So for me, it's it's it goes, it goes to chemistry on there. And there's some recruiters that are just 
really great at what they do with a certain type of folks. Um, others, you know, not so much, but I've met thousands <laughs> throughout my career where like, yeah, they have, they have the, it's the touch points. It's that high level that like, that you feel as though you are the only customer. And you're the, the only candidate in the process. You're the only candidate in the process. But also being just like really open with you too, and and we are uh, stepping on our recruiting, which is a really good job. Like here, you know, here's here's how it's going. You, to Simone's point too, you want like how's it going? You know, like here's what's going to go on. I'd rather have that honesty up front than right before an offer is made. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Trans trans exactly. Transparency as much as as, as possible. Um, and and Caitlin, same question, same question to you. You know, what advice do you give for people to be successful in our industry? Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about empathy and really helping, really trying to understand whether it's a candidate or a current employee, where that person is coming from, what they're feeling in that moment, what their goals might be to make sure that we can help them, you know, whatever that might be. Are they feeling, are they feeling stressed? I mean, boy, has that been a big topic, you know, during COVID is really trying to understand, are they feeling stressed? What kind of support do they need? Same thing in the recruiting process. You know, this person's making a very big change. So whether it's a perfect fit and we really want to help them feel at ease, really make sure they understand what next steps are going to look like, or if it's not a perfect fit and we want to stay in touch for the future, still handling that really delicately so we can maintain that relationship and hopefully put them on a track to find something that will be a really good fit but always trying to find that place of empathy and put yourself in their shoes so that we can make sure we're handling it in an appropriate way that they're gonna feel good about too. Fantastic, and and Simone, bring us home here on this question. I'd love to get your perspective. You know, what is that golden piece of advice for, for folks, you know, new to our industry? Funny you should say golden, because I think it's a golden rule. I don't do- See, like, I set that up? Think about yourself, think <laughs> perfect, right? Think, think about yourself going through the process. like listen like i find recruiting and you know what we've all been inter interviewed by recruiters ourselves right listen like don't you know keep kind of peppering the conversation with your own feedback your own perspective listen that's the key thing the second thing is do not forget to respond to an email like Absolutely. we have do not ghost people that is yeah. not okay you that's have enough time in the day we are all you have enough time in the day to respond to an email if you don't make time in your day we are all in a time where people are vulnerable, people are losing jobs, they're gaining jobs, but we can't be insensitive and not respond. Do you know how many times people have ghosted me in a process? It's insane. You need to remember not to ghost people. And then the other thing is, you know, if you don't have the understanding or if you don't have visibility into something, learn, go ask somebody for the answer. Don't, you know, bullshit your way through the process. Like, like find out the answer from someone and get that answer to a candidate. Like if you need time, go back to the candidate and say, look, I mean, give me like a couple of days to get this answer. We'll noodle on this. You know? and, and I, yeah, absolutely. And then I think the other thing is just think outside the box. You know, when you're trying to close a really senior candidate, who's really got great experience, you know, they're open to it. Like we had a great, fantastic candidate, a couple of like months ago. And, and the key thing was, what are things that are outside of just compensation and outside of culture and outside of role that are going to be really important to you in the process? Like, what can we do for you? That's not, you know, the normal thing. Like, let's really think outside the box and partner with each other, you know? Well, you hit the nail on something that I think a lot of recruiters, and, and I don't want to turn this into a, a recruiting tactical session there too, but you yeah. have to, and I say this to any recruiter that I work with, if a candidate is interviewing with you, you have to assume they're interviewing elsewhere and they're going to be far mm -hmm. along in the process, especially if they're a good candidate. And I think yeah. a lot of times recruiters kind of fall into the safety net of saying, no, 
I got this. This candidate is is all mine. They're going to sign with us. We're all good there. And you fall into this this comfort zone, and it gets you in trouble. And I see it all. And I think we've all been guilty of it at some point in our career. We got this as a perfect candidate, and literally, you get a phone call. Like, why, why hasn't he or she called me? Why aren't they not responding? And they took another offer, and they didn't even tell you. And a lot of times, I see also that the more transparent you are with candidates and lay out expectations early on in the process, you're going to yeah. set the expectations for that to come back to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I always ask, like, I you know, say- where else are you interviewing? What else do you have in process? Yeah. I will be transparent with you. You be transparent with me, and we yeah. help each other out. And it usually lays a good groundwork. Yep, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I think it's something that we all need to start doing if we don't do it already. And if you know, we continue to do it, if we do do it, it's great. Uh, absolutely there. So I want to talk about, you know, in, internal teams. Uh, you know, I, I assume that we all have folks that, you know, we manage here. Um, how are we keeping our teams together? How are we keeping those spirits high of our, our immediate um, direct reports? Caitlin, we'll start with you first. Yeah, you know, I think that one of the things we started hearing from our teams internally was around mental health when it came to COVID, right? Like we were hearing about it more than we have in the past. There were people who were parents who had now become homeschoolers. Um, There were people, we work with a lot of immigrants. There was a lot of stress because they weren't able to return home because of travel restrictions. Um, People were feeling really isolated. Um, So again, like the way that we often refer to the talent space is kind of in a test and learn space where we'll try something, we'll get feedback, we'll iterate on it, try to fill things that maybe, or fill gaps that we haven't filled. So in this place, you know, immediately it was thinking about, okay, so people are feeling stressed. Let's talk about flexibility and working arrangements. You know, what kind of flexibility can we give people during the day? How can we communicate that to teams to make sure that works for everybody? Um, And then we were getting more questions saying, all right, well, I might need some more support. Can you help me understand how existing benefits might support? So then it was about really over communicating to our teams, what's covered under our insurance, things like that. You know, how can they get mental health support through teledoc services? And then we started hearing from teams saying, okay, this is great. I do want support. Where do I get that support? Like, how do I find a therapist? Which I know for me was very new territory. You know, I wanted to help people, but also wanted to respect privacy. And in the end, we ended up rolling out a new benefit called Ginger, which provides unlimited coaching and up to 12 therapy sessions per year for employees at no cost to the employee. So just really listening to what they need and really trying to evolve our benefits to deliver on that, to help them stay sane outside the office. <laughs> That's interesting. And just out of curiosity, I mean, was it, what was the, if, if you open the sharing, like did, did, did folks take advantage of it? Yes. I know it's, you know, when you introduce a benefit like that, you know, there's a demand, but at the end, you're not sure, will actually people use this? Yeah. Did they feel like the, there's going to be a feedback loop? Are they going to report to my employer that like, hey, I needed some some help here? Or there? But you have yeah. to lay that expectation up front. Hey, this is completely anonymous. We we just want to put it out there for you. We don't get any feedback. We don't, they don't send us the audio recordings. Totally. No, Adam, I think that that's a really important part. You know, a piece of it is communicating how it works, what it'll be, what our goal is. So making clear that it's completely anonymous. Um, that, you know, you're going to get the code, whether you use the code or not is up to you, but it will make it as easy as possible. And we had huge engagement on it. Uh, and we've continued to get really good feedback and you also hear from people saying, oh, this is a little tricky. And then we can communicate that back to Ginger. They've been really great about saying, oh, well, you know, we have a way to fix that. So, um, 
it's been a really good learning and we're continuing to learn from our employees around other kinds of support that they need. But I think that that was one big place where we've seen more change there than we had um, before COVID. That's fantastic. And, and Verisol, like, how are you keeping that glue together? How are you keeping everyone tight and knit and, and culture and vibe and energy and spirit? How are you keeping that thriving? Sure. Well, first of all, like we look at the people team, we're, we are supposed to be the, the ambassadors of culture um, and leading by example. And so two parts, we actually have started opening up our people meetings. We have a weekly and just like just going around and just like, what are we grateful for? And it seemed so simple and it lasts all of five minutes, but we're being extremely intentional uh, before we're jumping in and just getting to XYZ of the agenda, like how is everyone doing? How are we, and, and making sure it's a safe place. So not only, so we're, we're trying to do that. We're also arming managers and making sure that they are in turn doing this. And like, are you checking in with your folks? Hmm. Which is hard for some, because you were, you're so used to like, right, we're gonna just, you know, crank through this agenda and XYZ, but we, are, we have made a very intentional push of teaching and telling our managers of just, make sure you check in wellness and mental check health. In. Yeah. Is, is first and foremost also on our radar. We actually, in addition to listing a bunch of services from our, our, um, our uh, benefits providers and make sure that, you know, like your, your folks know about X, Y, Z and you're going to that, but we're also over communicating. Cause I think you have to over communicate because for us mental, you can't bring your best self forward unless, you know, mentally you're, you're okay to do that. And also just making sure that our managers are really taking the time to ask, how are you doing? Because it, it's insightful, some of the answers that you get. And, and for us, we pride ourselves on having an amazing work-life balance. Like we, we work our asses off and, and, and we, and we over deliver, but we also want to balance that with people are struggling to, you know, you're also not, oh, you're doing tech support for your kids, taking care of a dog or whatever, and you yeah. don't know the chaos. Driving them around. Yeah. 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 Everybody has a story. And you just, I think when you have, when when it starts from the top um, and it trickles, we ha we also have CEO office hours where our, our two co-CEOs once a week. So while we are talking about parts of the business, we're also asking everyone, like, how are you? And um, sometimes it dives into the TV shows that are watching on Netflix, but I think having that outlet and if anything could kind of help in terms of, making these connections intentionally over zoom is going to help a little bit to make uh, the mental health space a little bit more digestible for folks we're going to keep at it so that's awesome starts from the top thank you so much for sharing simone what are you seeing on your front yeah totally we've done a couple of things i mean you guys th those were all some really fantastic ideas by the way and stuff that you, you know it sounds like you guys are really working well to uh think think outside the box when it comes to this i mean again this is so such a different time for everyone um, we've actually, with the entire team going fully remote, we have a town hall once every other week. And then we have, and it sort of um, swaps up. So one, one Thursday we'll have a town hall and then the next Thursday we'll have an all hands. Um, and so what we've been doing is for the town halls, they're hundred percent conversational. So basically our, our CEO is gonna just jump on. We'll do some prep. So we'll do a lot of quizzes. We'll do some like, you know, we'll ask people on Slack for, fun question answers and and you know there's a lot of information we get from people and that's what drives the conversation so it could be something around what television shows people are watching mm -hmm. where they want to travel to most after covid you know it's kind of over um you know will people get the vaccine like fun stuff like mm -hmm. water cooler kind of conversation mm -hmm. so that's been really great and i think that's something that's 
completely symbolic of the time we're in. We're trying to build relationships over Zoom. Um, and again, we have you know 150 plus employees. We're all on Zoom together, so it's a really cool. Um, and then we have the all hands, which are fun. You know, they're more business focused. Um, we have a, a our CEO is Rich Rosenblatt, so we open up the conversation. There's like a hashtag Ask Rich section where people reach out. They've reached out about you know upcoming hires. They've reached out about you know is is the business going to be making layoffs? Like really, really big questions. Real people stuff. Real questions. Real concerns. Real, real stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a cool one. And then what we're doing soon is we're actually, now that we're kind of, you know, at a point where some people are feeling comfortable, we're doing um, this thing where, you know, teams can take people to lunch. So, you know, we're giving them like 25 bucks each person. Everyone can kind of order lunch and then go eat outside somewhere. So it's, you know, my, and again, this is only if people feel comfortable, they can use their $25 to, you know, sit inside and, and join their teams, you know, via Zoom. But if they are feeling comfortable, hey, go. I like that's a good one. We're, we're, we're in LA. Like, thankfully the weather's great. People, you know, it's comfortable enough to sit outside and that's what we've kind of been trying to get you know employees to do if they're comfortable with it to build rapport you know to have them feel comfortable talking about some of the challenges that they have my dog's not you know not not training as well as he was before well, COVID. Like anything that might exactly my kid um you know the diy is getting a little you know out of hand at home like all of that kind of stuff people are you know we're encouraging people to feel comfortable and make it feel you know, as much like the office as possible um, so that they have that relationship with their coworkers. They have that camaraderie that they're building. That's fantastic. So I want to bring it home here with a couple of questions that I'm asking everybody across all my shows. And I want to leave the show off on a good note. Before I do so, uh, let's do a little something fun here. Whether you're, you're watching Netflix or you're reading a good book, what is one piece of content that you want to recommend to somebody else, a show that you're watching, a book that you're reading? We'll start with Caitlin. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, we won't judge you either. Like, oh, that show's terrible. Did you really like that show? That show was garbage. No, we, there's no judgment zone here. We're in talent and HR. We don't, we don't judge people in talent. That's the last thing we do. Um, you know, it's funny because as Vericell was talking about how sometimes conversations just evolve into Netflix discussions, yeah. right? And it's good. Like we find that happens Part a lot in our team meetings as well. And so somebody had recommended, oh gosh, now, now I won't be able to remember the name, but there's a Netflix movie. It's a documentary about a guy who researches an octopus that he finds off yes. the coast. My what octopus best octopus? friend or something like that or something. Yeah, my octopus teacher. I think it's called my octopus yeah, teacher. My octopus teacher. That's what it is. It's on my yeah. list. So I, I watched it, you know, at first to be polite and then was just obsessed with it. I couldn't stop watching it. Um, so I have to say that one was interesting and actually kind of draws you in a little bit. That is my, that's on my front. My wife has uh, dinner plans. So that's literally the number one thing I'm going to watch on Friday night. It's on my list. All right. I tried well, watching you... The Social Dilemma. I watched like 15 minutes of it. I, I, knew, I knew what it was about and it depressed oh. me and I didn't want to yeah. watch it anymore. Varisa, what are you watching, reading, consuming What when you're, when you're not busy uh, uh, managing people? <laughs> I was about um, to rearranging the lamps in your office. You know, being a boss. <laughs> it's funny when you think, does, when you think back to March and you think of like Tiger King, doesn't that seem like so long ago? I did watch Tiger King, but I'm, I'm such a nerd when it comes to like organization and I, I just, I love design, hence why I'm in my dream job right now. So I'm addicted to the Netflix show, uh, The Home Edit, where literally they just go in and organize closets. Um, if I would spin my computer around, you would see that I actually organize my bookshelves according to color because that mm. is crazy I am. So 
I like a lot of organization shows. I like a lot of baking shows. I like a lot of home design shows. But um, I did watch, I did finish Schitt's Creek. It took me forever. We're halfway through season two right now. I'm into it. It's hilarious. But you know, like Netflix, absolutely, it, it helps you to bond these water cooler moments over Zoom and over Slack. And it's okay to disconnect. It's exact, exactly. Absolutely. So watch the home edit if you're into right. design. Simone, <laughs> Simone, what about you? Um, I've really gotten into Obey, which is um, this you know subscription thing that you can do. They have like 28 minute workouts. They have a bunch of different stuff. That it's it's really fantastic. That's one thing that we've I've really tried to incorporate working out because I think it's a great way to like you know it's funny because we've all watched the social dilemma. It's it's a great way to not be on Instagram and actually do something <laughs> physical where your brain is like trying to you know help you balance as opposed to you know looking at what your friends are doing. That's the other thing. And then I think. So New York Magazine has this like highbrow, lowbrow, despicable sort of yeah. approval matrix. So I feel like my like highbrow right now is like Plot Against America, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. It's HBO Max at the moment. Um, it's a mini series. And then there was uh, Emily in Paris, which was a lowbrow that. moment. We just watched it. And <laughs> I, 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 enjoy, I enjoyed it. I sat there. I was on my phone. My beautiful. wife's like, just watch it. It's actually, and I'm like, it's actually pretty entertaining. It's and it's not for kids. It is not for kids. Yeah, my not, not for kids. My, we were watching not my hero. They had to leave the room. I'm like, no, nope, change. Not watching this right now. Great show, though. Yeah, it's 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 a good one. Well, that's awesome. And I I want to I want to end every show on a positive note. I started the show off too, and we're going to talk about silver linings. I would love for each of you to quickly. We're going to go around the horn here. We'll start with Caitlin. Leave us with one personal silver lining and one professional silver lining that you've experienced over the last eight months. Yeah, I mean, the professional silver lining has been around communication, right? And getting to communicate with people more and in new ways. You know, we're now in each other's homes in some ways because we're all on Zoom. And so while I noticed the first two weeks, you know, when people would have their dogs run into the room or kids run into the room, they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then somebody pointed out, they're like, I, you know, why are you apologizing? It's like we're getting to see the best parts of everybody. Yeah. And that's been really cool. You know, it's not only communicating more formally, more frequently, but it's getting to have one-on-one -on -one really personal conversations with people, checking in with people, sometimes meeting their kids or seeing the piece of artwork their that cats. they ran in with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> their cats. I didn't mention cats. I feel bad about that. Um, but that's been really great professionally. You know, I, I've really enjoyed that. Um, and then I think there was one professional silver lining and then one like less so professional silver lining. Personal. Is that right? personal. personal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you know, a lot of our events at work had been uh, obviously going to bars or having outings. And so a lot of that has moved virtual. And so it's been really fun to do things like virtual DJ sets. Mm. <laughs> the whole team together, I think, has gotten to do that. And that's just been really fun. I mean, it's not necessarily something that I think uh, is a big like professional thing for me. But personally, I find it really fun and a really nice way to connect with people in a time when we're all in our houses. I, I think we're all itching to get back and 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 and, and we're going to get there. Simone, if you could share with us, please. Totally. Personal think, professional. Yeah, I think like everyone's threshold has just like increased substantially. You know, I find that like before, you know, and the Caitlin kind of spoke to this a little bit, but like before we had this, oh my gosh, like what are people going to think of me? And I just love how it's become so relaxed, you know? 
through the even the candidate process, right? You know, interviewing people, recruiting people. There's a level of oh, the phone just went out. They need to, re you know, there's. I'm not going to get Bluetooth results. is not, not connecting. Gonna, yeah, I'm not counting anything against anyone. I think this is the year of yes because why would you not say yes? Like what what what's the worst like that can that. happen? We're literally already at a point where it's so you know strangely kind of apocalyptic that we might as well just you know embrace this moment and, and go, yes, I'm going to go on a trip to Mexico and I'm going to work remotely and I'm going to take this call from a, my hotel room, you know, because why good. not? Right. It's all good. So as long as getting your work other, done. Exactly. As long as you're getting your work done, as long as you feel like you're hitting your, you know, SLAs and like all the goals. Great. Um, and then the other thing that I think is personal is it's, it's been kind of nice to have a lot of, you know, time at home. I, I have to just preface this with the fact that there are so many people hurting um, it's really bad out there. And, you know, living in Los Angeles, you know, homelessness has increased, you know, you see a lot of people getting affected by this in the worst way. This is not, you know, we're, we're in this for a long time and we're going to see the effects of this over a long period of time. And, and, you know, I wish everyone who's, you know, had tough experiences, hopefully everything gets better for them soon. But I do think that this has been an opportunity for me. I mean, I just got married in February and, you know, I have a dog at home and it's, you're spending so much more time at home, which has been, you know, a positive. It's a moment to check in and really think outside the box on ways to, you know, entertain yourself and ways to like bond with those around you sort of in your bubble. Um, so I think those are the two things I would add. Thank you. That's awesome. Baris, I'll bring us home here. Sure. So professionally, uh, I think creating this how we work 2.0 kind of um, official unofficial culture guide has been has been the silver lining and whether or not we're mentally writing it down or it's just been kind of baked into our processes I'm really proud of our I'm really proud of everyone at resident I'm proud of our leadership team that we have been able to foster an even stronger culture and that HR has played a part in kind of navigating that and it's a great place to work so that to me is the end all be all of, of um, you know, the silver lining that we're, that is, uh, that we're continuing to build. So that's good. Um, professionally, I mean, sorry, uh, uh, personally, so I have, I have a husband, a puppy, two guinea pigs and three <laughs> teenagers. So we are quite the household here. And the silver lining, which I don't think my children would agree is that never once in a million years would my husband and I have thought, oh my God, we are eating dinner together. Exactly. 30, a home cooked <laughs> meal <laughs> on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. And whether or not our kids realize that we're having conversations and they're chatting and the phones are actually down. And it's just this, it's, and I don't take that for granted at all. And it's been, it's a lot of family time. It's a lot of family time, but it's something that I don't take for granted. And it's, quite lovely. And I love to cook. My husband loves to cook. And so that has been, and I know it's, it's also with many folks too, that's been the ultimate silver lining in that it's with family. So. Awesome. Well, I want to, I want to thank all three of you for taking an hour out of your busy day and sharing with us an insight into your professional side, your companies, your organization, your teams, and your personal side as well too. And I want to thank everyone at home for joining us along uh, for the ride. We will share this on YouTube and Facebook for anyone who was unable to attend today. Ladies, thank you again. I look forward to staying in touch with each of you, continuing to build our relationships. Everyone watching at home, abroad, on the internet, and the pool, Cabo, I don't care where you are. Thank <laughs> you for joining us today. We'll be back next week for another live episode of the podcast. You know where to find us at thepodcast.com, and we'll catch you all next week. Ladies, hang with me for one second here as I sign off.
wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.